Hi, I'm Kyle, and on this 415th episode of the MWA podcast, Brian, Mark, and myself are asking Daniel Clay the five questions. If you haven't already, be sure to check out Daniel's interview on episode 414. So, uh, before we get started, uh, Daniel, with the five questions, and welcome back to the show, um, do we have a Patreon shout-out this week? We do. Uh, a big thanks, as always, to our Patreon supporters. Today, we're giving a big shout-out to Kevin. Oh, I'm going to butcher this. Mc, it's not McMahon. It's McMahon? M-C-M-A-H-O-N. I think it's it was very kind. Is it McMahon? I, I thought so. it was McMahon. So maybe he's the son of Ed. Um, if you would like to support the, the MWA podcast, go to www.patreon.com forward slash MWA podcast and select your level of uh, patronage. Uh, some of the levels will get you early access to the podcast. Yes. And uh, Kevin, if uh, Brian's right and we're wrong, please let us know. Yes. And if, and we <laughs> and we appreciate your support, whether you're Ed's, uh, you're, you're related to Ed or not. Can we put a field uh, uh, in the in the Patreon like collection form that's like spell your name phonetically so that we can say it properly? Because <laughs> 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 we just don't know how to do this. You know, even that doesn't work with me. So, um, but uh, anyway, well, let's move on to the five <laughs> questions. So, Brian, you want to get us started? Yeah, sure, Daniel. Um, how did you get into woodworking? I got into woodworking through uh, a boat building apprenticeship I did back in two thousand five. Um, and, uh, so that begs the question, how did I get into boat building? <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't really do it, um, because of boat building. I, I was living in Atlanta and, uh, I went to college for music and I played music professionally for, uh, I don't know, until I was about 25, 26. Huh. Um, uh, well, what, what instrument did you play? And what school do you play? Guitar? I went to Georgia State University. Okay. Um, what what I, year were you there? I was there 97 to 2001. So what type you of guitar? Um, I play, I, I studied jazz guitar. Okay. So, so you more Al Demiola or Pat Metheny? Oh, I was a huge Pat Metheny fan. Huge. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was actually the outcast in my department because everyone was into like uh, mid 20th century, um, you know, hard bop uh, stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, Wes Montgomery, which I also love, but I was I was one of the only guitarists who wasn't sort of super into the uh, into that stuff. I was more into like the 70s fusion stuff. Yeah. So. But I, I was burnt out on being a. On, on trying to make a living being a musician. Um, it, in some ways, it's um, there's some parallels between, I think, being an independent self-employed woodworker and being an independent musician. Um, you know, a lot of us, you have to do whatever comes down the pipe, right? So you, you teach lessons, um, you play gigs, you play whatever gig comes along, um, and uh, you hustle basically so in you know the the uh, the parallel in woodworking is you know if you're the kind of person who's into teaching you can do that um but uh you also might just do whatever job comes along so maybe you're doing kitchens or maybe you're doing custom furniture or maybe you're doing built-ins or um maybe you do some sort of outdoor construction or or something like that so um but i was burnt out on trying to make it as a musician and i heard about uh 
a friend of a friend who was an instructor at the Carpenter's Boat Shop in Pemmickwood, Maine, and um, called them up, talked to them, where I met my now good friend, uh, Kenneth Courtmeyer, who was an instructor there and now runs the Maine Coast Craft School. Um, and um, I applied, I got the apprenticeship, I went up there. It's a work trade program, so you, um, you stay there, you, you contribute your work to the community there. They teach you how to build boats. Um, you don't get paid cash, you don't pay cash to be there. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they build a style of um, wooden rowboat um, called a Monhegan skiff, which is uh, developed on Monhegan Island off the of Maine. Um, Monhegan Island, uh, made famous by the the Wyeth family of painters. You've probably seen right. Andrew and NC Wyeth paintings of Monhegan Island. Um, anyway, so they build these skiffs for the lobstermen out on Monhegan and for a lot of other people in the Midcoast region of Maine. Um, I didn't get super into boats, but I did get really interested in woodworking. And because my friend Kenneth, who was there, was also in, interested in building lots of and, and making lots of things other than boats, I got into spoon and bowl carving. Um, we did a run of Drew Langsner's uh, Appalachian Ladderback Chairs. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we did a whole bunch of different things. Um, it took a we had a a class with uh, the late Bill Copperthwaite. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys are familiar yeah. with him, mm -hmm. uh, when I was there, so um, I just got exposed to a lot of different kinds of woodworking, a lot of green woodworking. Um, I took a, a, a hand cut dovetail class with Karen Wales, who at the time was the editor of Wooden Boat Magazine. Um, she's a really fantastic teacher and woodworker, um, and so that kind of like got you know that's where i got the bug and then i i moved back to atlanta after that year was up and um i worked for a timber framer um for a couple years um and then i worked for uh someone building remodeling kitchens and building custom kitchens i did one kitchen on my own and decided i never wanted to do that ever again <laughs> um and then I got into com a completely other, you know, like a different kind of work, and it stayed uh, a hobby in um, in the meantime. And then in uh, 2014, I moved back up to Maine, um, and that's when I started sort of shifting my entire life to being a full-time woodworker. I built a little shop, um, or set up a little shop in a in the garage of a place I was living, and um, Started my website, which at the time was SaturdayBoxCompany.com, and um, just started making stuff and trying to sell it, and then getting some commissions, and you know, learned how to chip carve, and then started teaching chip carving. Mm -hmm. uh, so it all, you know, it just snowballed. All that just right. sort of landed me where I am now. So, so uh, chip carving. So you're were you self-taught or self-taught in classes or what? Um, self-taught out of, uh, one of Wayne Barton's books. Um, okay. he's got some good books. He's, he's definitely one of the, uh, the authorities on, on the technique. Mm -hmm. Um, and I believe he still teaches. I, I saw, uh, he was teaching at Mark Adams, um, last summer, I believe. So oh, okay. I don't know if he travels and teaches much anymore, but he lives, uh, I'm not sure where he lives somewhere in the Midwest. Okay. Um, 
So uh, I taught myself out of one of his books and um, sort of uh, exhausted that book and went on to another one. And my, you know, the way I, I'm, I'm definitely like a self teacher mm. just naturally. And I go down rabbit trails. So if somebody mentions someone's name in a book, I'm going to find out who that person is yeah. and like what they have to do with anything that I just learned. And um, I started doing that with chip carving and looking into the history of it and, uh, you know, just finding all the references I could and, and chasing them down and, and then just doing a lot of carving. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, let's move on to our second question. I'm, I might hazard an answer here for you, but I'll let you answer it. So what's your favorite tool? Oh, uh, so this is where I'm supposed to say my chip carving knife. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, okay. Confession. I hate this kind of question. <laughs> well, well, we have a, we we have a limit. It's twenty three is the number of tools you can mention. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Fair enough. I was going to ask, like, what are the ways in which I can cop out of this question? Um, uh, let's see. Okay. There are not there. There are some different sort of filters that can apply to get different answers here. So, uh, in terms of shop tools. Um, and because I want to go to my grave with all of my fingers, uh, the saw stop in our shop is okay. my favorite. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Because I do custom woodworking that occasionally requires me to make um, lots of parts and panels and stuff, the time saver belt sander is my favorite tool Ooh. in the shop. Yeah. Um, uh, I like my chip carving knives just fine. I don't use fancy chip carving knives. I'm just not... I'm not a gearhead. I've never mm -hmm. been a gearhead. I got um, I got some ridicule when I was in school for music because I didn't play like a fancy hollow body jazz guitar, played a solid body electric guitar. Mm -hmm. It never, I just, I don't care what people use to do the work, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I've I care about the of, work or the music. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the ideas behind it. And um, it's, you know, the, the context in which the work is created and how it's positioned as like part of a creative act. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, now, I mean, woodworking is, is, it's a technical, it's a technical field. So there's a modicum of like technique and uh, precision you need, um, in the tools and whatever. I tend to go for whatever is the simplest tool for the job. Um, whatever is the simplest, most, uh, that I know is reliable based on my experience and knowledge. That's the tool I'm going for. So like guys here at the shop will be like, well, I've got this special lipping plane that you have to like tune in and like to shave off the thing. And it's, you know, a, a third horsepower and whatever. I'm like, just give me a block plane. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, seriously. And, yes. and it, it's not, it's not because I have like romantic feelings about hand tools. It's because I know that I'm not going to destroy the piece of work with a block plane and I can, I can, I can feel how sharp it is like, cause I sharpened it or whatever. And I know it's predictable to me, you know? Right. So for me, that's like the simplest, most effective tool for the job. Unless you're, unless you're like trimming the edge banding on, you know, uh, 200 European style plywood cabinet cabinets or something, then maybe mm -hmm. use the power lifting plane. You, you know what I mean yeah. though? Like yeah. it's, yeah. um, Context. So I'm kind of, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a matter of context. Um, okay. So here's my, here's my, um, this is my, my meta answer, which is, uh, 
the longer I work in wood and the, lo the more I design things um, and the more original work I do, I really, I rely on my eyes more than I ever have. And I think I don't feel like that that is going to decrease over time. Like, um, and I may, I, I mean, even in, for things that like I should probably be using a bevel gauge for, like, I just, I eyeball a lot of things and I'm mm -hmm. usually pretty happy with it. Um, the more I do it. So I think, uh, eyeballing is an underrated, uh, technique. <laughs> if you can call well, it that. No, no, that that's uh, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. We've had a couple of people answer their hands, but, mm -hmm. uh, and I think we've had one other person say their eyes, but yeah. So, mm -hmm. so you're in rarefied company here. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> so you've mentioned, you know, that we, in the last episode, we were talking about, uh, the people who kind of created or at least named the concept of Swedish carving. And you just mentioned Bill Copperwaith and, and the boat school who, who has inter, in, influenced your work the most. Hmm. That's a really good question. Um, um, I don't know how to answer that question. Um, I mean, there are people who influence me not as woodworkers. Like, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm influenced a lot by people who work in other domains um so like my sister is a sculptor and painter um i would say she and you know her work doesn't necessarily influence my work but she's a big inspiration to me in terms of work ethic and um you know commitment to being prolific and um experimenting and uh you know we're we're obviously we we're raised together we're cut from the same cloth in that way um she's a really hard worker so she inspires me and influences me in that way in terms of like <clears throat> aesthetically or creatively um um you know the, the things that have been around you know, tr traditional forms and styles um influence a lot of what i do um they've been around for a long time for good reasons um entire you know so like you can I, i'm not um somebody who's uh super into like i'm not a japanese woodworking tool person right there are people right. out there they're just like they're enthusiasts for that mm -hmm. style of working or for um that aesthetic style um i would say that that like japanese woodworking has an influence on me but i i don't consciously try to recreate it you know what i mean mm -hmm. so right. um yeah. yeah i think there are so many different uh sort of streams that lead into uh into my creative thinking it's, it's really hard for me to answer like um yeah. one person or one might, particular thing and it might depend it sounds like it might depend on what you're working on too it does yeah yeah, mm -hmm. yeah for sure yeah well let's give a shout out to your sister what's her name her name's Lauren Clay. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Well, she got an well, Instagram. She does. Um, I think it's just at Lauren Clay. Okay. Uh, I, wait, I'm just going to double check that. Maybe there's a underscore in there somewhere. Um, she is um, every Lauren, but hers coming up. There she is. <laughs> it's uh, uh, at Lauren Clay underscore, um, or you can go to laurenclay.com. Um, 
fast she does fascinating work i think you guys will enjoy checking out what she does um big installations large-scale sculptures oh, um, cool. Cool. marbling three-dimensional objects um she's really prolific she's like maybe the most prolific artist i know it's really what i, I mean it kind of blows my mind honestly she's very <laughs> talented well uh, since the show's over i'll check her out yeah it sounds yeah. great yeah yeah that, that reminds me sculpture i just uh listened to this history podcast and they were talking about the ancient romans and mm -hmm. how that in the renaissance they started duplicating the roman sculptures and all that and all this white marble stuff and now they've mm -hmm. gone back and found out no all those roman sculptures were painted mm -hmm. <laughs> in vibrant colors <laughs> yeah <laughs> but what was left you know after thousands of years right. were just yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the white marble and so in the renaissance they just kind of replicated the that white marble look but in actuality right. the the ancient uh, sculptures were painted i thought that was fascinating interesting mm -hmm. yeah all right daniel so kind of the uh, co uh contrary to what we just talked about what would you say is your biggest stumbling block oh uh biggest stumbling block i think you kind of touched on that you needed another one of you yeah i was just thinking like how do i say time management i guess time bandwidth bandwidth that's hedging that's like oh if i could only get enough <laughs> i can only if i was only operating at 100 percent. but the truth is just yeah time management um um i don't i definitely don't suffer any kind of like uh um deficit of energy like i've always i'm always working on something um but yeah it's just figuring out when to work on it what order it needs to happen in what is the best way to prioritize things when sort of half your life is creative stuff that might make money and half of it is um the other half is paying for the you know the first half you know so mm -hmm. um uh yeah that's like a, a thing i'm always trying to figure out and still still am what do i need to be spending this next eight hours on yeah. what makes the most sense mm -hmm. what's the most that's effective sounds familiar yes yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah it's a very very popular answer yeah, yeah. Makes sense. How how has the internet inter influenced your work? Um, uh, I know people love to um, crap on social media or whatever, but I just think that Instagram, it, the hand tool and craft and art community on Instagram is, is, for my money, is the best argument for social media existing at all. Because it's one of the only places I've ever seen um, I would say it's it's a it's a community subculture that uh, is kind of essentially wholesome mm -hmm. because it's it's a it's a um, it's a forum for this really natural tendency that people have. Anyone who makes something like you want to show it to someone like that is very human and very I think like sort of self evidently wholesome uh, uh, thing to do and. Um, that's what happens on the internet with people who make stuff. So, um, I mean, it's definitely made it possible because, you know, the other thing with that, because you have this giant extended network that um, if you do good work and you're consistent and you're like serious about doing it, like people eventually are gonna notice you. And so um, there's, for lack of a better term, um, advertising built into 
uh, you know, sort of tacked on to the back end of you doing this thing, which is a very natural thing to do, which is I made this, check it out. And I want to see what you made. Um, and so if you're an independent, self-employed artist or craftsperson, and you sort of tend that little garden of Instagram or the internet, whatever, wherever you're, you know, it, it seems like that's where everything happens is Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's how I know about you guys. That's how I met. I, I meet people like all across the world all the time. Yeah. And all I have to do is usually say, hey, I really like your work. Um, can you tell me this about it? Yeah. And, um, and try not to be annoying. Yeah. Uh, you know, okay. and uh, you meet like people doing the best work in the world in their field. And you can totally do that. I mean, that blows my mind. Right. So Hmm. it's influenced me in terms of um, that's like a positive psychological, emotional influence on me, because I feel like there are other people out there who are doing uh, maybe things in different um, mediums or or disciplines. But in terms of their role in the world, uh, we're in the same domain. Right. Like we're we're kind of doing a similar thing. and. For me, that that just makes me feel positive about what I do. So um, it's an in, it's influential in that way. It, it sort of like yeah, I feel good about doing it because I know there's a bunch of people give a damn. Basically, yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I found out about you, Mark sent me an email and said, "Hey, check this guy out." Uh, and <laughs> I went, "Yes, we got to have him on the show." <laughs> cool. yeah. yeah. And then we reached out to you, and you went. I have a book coming out. Can you hold on for a second? I'm like, sure, no problem. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, thank you for being uh, amenable to that. Oh yeah. Oh, not at perfect oh, timing. Anytime. anytime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was cool. perfect timing. But yeah, I mean, it's because uh, I'm. I you know I, I follow a few carvers, but I'm not a big person in following carvers. And then when I when I saw your stuff, I go, wow, this is like stuff I hadn't seen before. You know. Even yeah. though, yeah, yeah, because you have your own spin on it. But anyway, so anyone out there not uh, familiar with Daniel, you probably are by now if you've listened th- through this episode, but go out there and check him out. And speaking of checking you out, where can folks find you on the interwebs? Um, Instagram at Daniel Clay. Um, you can check out my website. Um, I have some chip carving supplies. You can buy my book on my website. You can see some of my work. I'm uh, kind of been over the last couple months uh, a month or two, um, um, rebuilding my website and sort of reconfiguring the gallery on there. So I'm like adding new pieces that I've done and documented. Um, so that's DanielClayWoodworking.com. Um, if you want to see my like one tweet a month, you can find me on Twitter. I think I'm <laughs> at Saturday Boxes. Um, yeah. And your Patreon. Uh, Don't forget about that. Yeah. And my Patreon. Yeah. Yes. You can find me on Patreon. I share carving patterns and um, how-to videos and sort of behind the scenes um, stuff from my studio, what I'm working on. Sometimes uh, I call it carving notes. It's really just um, if something's on my brain and I feel like, you know, mm-hmm. sort of journaling in public about it or whatever. So. Ah, that's cool. That's cool. Well, so Mark, where can folks find you? You can find me at uh, plate11.com or plate11woodworking on YouTube. 
I'm at Mark Builds It on Instagram. And uh, if you're looking to find some videos on hand tool use, you can find them at jointeffort.net. How about you, Kyle? Uh, you can always find me on Instagram at barton.kyle or bbcustomtools, bbcustomtools.com, or on YouTube under bbcustomtools or Kyle Barton. Brian, what about yourself? Uh, on Instagram at obst, O-B-S-T, woodworks. That's pretty much the only place I live. All righty. And that just about wraps it up for this show. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on the podcatcher of your choice. Just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association. And while you're there, please leave us a review. You can follow us on Instagram at MWA underscore podcast. And if you'd like to support the podcast, go over to patreon.com slash MWA podcast. But the best thing you can do is tell a friend. Word of mouth goes a long way in sharing our discussion.